0: opportunity to vote yes on a constitutional amendment to protect life in the state of Kentucky. I'll read this little message to you. The pro-life movement is gaining ground across our country. From local communities to the U.S. Supreme Court, people of faith and conscience are standing up for the sanctity of human life. In Kentucky, we the people have the power. This year, every one of us can head to the ballot box to vote yes for life and approve a pro-life amendment to our state's constitution. So what I want us to pray for today is that at least 51% of the state of Kentucky would be uh, compelled to vote yes on this constitutional amendment and thus it take effect and protect life in the state of Kentucky. So let's pray for that. Let's pray also uh, for, for women, for mothers who are in a crisis situation. Um, pray that they would get the care and the help that they would need and that they too would choose life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of human life. Thank you for our lives. Thank you that we who are here today had an opportunity to be born and to live. And we pray that for more babies in our state, in our nation, but our state in particular, Lord, we, we pray that you would move in people of faith and conscience to vote yes on this constitutional amendment to protect life in our state. Lord, we pray for women who are in a crisis situation. Lord, we pray that they would get all the help and the care um, that they need. We pray that you would use churches, you would use crisis pregnancy centers, you would use other ministries and other means to take care of them. Pray that you would help us to speak up as Christians, not only to vote on this amendment, but also to to be loving, to speak the truth in love, um, to tell people the truth about life and where it begins. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. SpaceX... Um, The company that is founded and run by Elon Musk, who happens to be the world's richest man at the moment, published a video and put it on YouTube. It was rather ironic because it wasn't to celebrate the company's successes. It was to show the company's failures, what they're most famous for up until now. Is they have pioneered a way to reuse rockets. So these rockets can go out into space and then come back to Earth and land on land or in the ocean on a barge. In this video, it's set to music and it's rather humorous. It shows rockets exploding, ro- rockets uh, falling back down to Earth. It shows all of their their failures up until the end, and then it shows their first two successes at being able to land a rocket back on Earth. Failure is more common than we think. A lot of times we notice failure in other people before we're willing to acknowledge it in ourselves. We like to devour the failures of others uh, while keeping quiet. our our own failures. But the good news is, if we have failed, we're in good company. Because all of the people, except for one in the Bible, failed. Even as you look at the list of names in Hebrews chapter 11, which is now called the Hall of Faith, it shows some of the greatest people of faith throughout the Bible, all of them failed. Their failure is right alongside their great faith. Abraham, he lied about Sarah being his wife to protect himself, not just once, but twice. His son Isaac did the same thing, kind of followed in his negative example. Moses, he, he killed a man in blind rage. And then later on, disobeyed God by striking the rock twice. Rahab, who helped guard and save the Israelite spies in Jericho, well, she was a prostitute. David, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then tried to cover up his tracks by having Uriah, her husband, killed. And the list just goes on and on of people of faith who were also failures. The truth is, if we are in Christ, if we are in relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ, we are saints, but we are also still sinners. We are simultaneously set apart. ...and declared righteous by God, and then also sinners who still fail. Now Noah, and we've been preaching on Noah for the last four weeks, he was one of these people of great faith, great man of faith. God used him tremendously in his time, but he was also a man who failed... Right after he got off the ark, as God had delivered him and his family and the animals, given them a new beginning, he stumbled and failed. So how are we to respond, not only when we fail, but when other Christians fail, and especially when people that we really look up to fail? Fail. That's what we're going to talk about and learn about today. If you have your Bible or a Bible app, I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 18 through 29, probably a a lesser-known story about Noah, but something that is real and something that really happened. Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons, and from them the whole earth was populated. Noah, as a man of the soil, began by planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth, ...took a cloak and placed it over both of their shoulders... ...and walking backwards, they covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him... ...he said, Canaan is cursed. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord... The God of Shem, let Canaan be Shem's slave. Let God extend Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Now Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So Noah's life lasted 950 years and then he died. This is God's holy word. So, this passage isn't just about Noah's failure. This passage is about how God repopulated the earth after the flood. In the first verse that we read, we learn about Noah's sons. Their names were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And as far as genealogy is concerned... These are the big three of human ancestry after the flood. Every human being and every human civilization comes either from Shem, Ham, or Japheth, their family line. Now for years and years leading up to the flood, I'm sure... Noah and his sons had to be carpenters. They they had to build the boats. They they were being obedient to God in in building the boats. But then after the flood, Noah took up another occupation. He became a farmer. He he planted a vineyard. He, He grew grapes, and from the grapes he made wine. And then unfortunately, in an act of a lack of self-control, he he stumbled into drunkenness. He he got drunk. The Bible always condemns drunkenness. Noah stumbled around, and then he fell asleep naked in his tent. Now, Noah, he's always portrayed as a man of faith throughout the Bible, a man of integrity, and thankfully... This episode, as far as we know, wasn't repeated in, in Noah's life. Ultimately, though, in the Bible, this is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is true and, what it's, and how it's set apart from every other religious book. Ultimately, in the Bible, there's only one hero, and that is Jesus Christ. God's son who came from heaven to earth and became a man who lived a perfect and sinless life. He's the one that's elevated throughout scripture. It's not man. And, and that lets me know that the Bible is a divine document. It, it's honest about human failure and human immorality and our need of salvation. It's, it's a God-exalting Book. And, and we're just reminded of that here, that we can't place our hope and our faith in people. This must have been a humiliating experience for Noah, one that he probably didn't want other people to know about. And they wouldn't have had it not been for his son Ham, who came through and, and noticed him in the tent. Then I, seemingly he found it amusing went and found his brothers thought that they would have a good laugh over it too, but they didn't find it funny at all. His, his brothers, Shem and Japheth, did a respectful thing for their father. They walked backwards, they had a cloak, and then they covered up their father. They embodied what Proverbs 10:12 says: "Love covers." All sins. And then when Noah sobered up and woke up the next day, he learned about what Ham had done, about how he humiliated his father. Noah was not happy. Then the last part of this chapter is a list of prophetic predictions about what the family line of Shem, Ham, and Japheth would be like. He he speaks to Ham first. Ham's son was named Canaan, as in the ancestor of the Canaanites, who were a morally backward people who always tried to seduce Israel into worshiping idols and became their enemies like the Philistines, like the Amorites came from Ham's line. Shem was the most blessed out of all of Noah's prophetic predictions. Out of his family line would come Israel, and thus the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And then Japheth would also be blessed. He would be blessed through his association with Shem, Shem, just reminding us that us Gentiles can receive salvation through Jesus Christ. So what should we do when other Christians fail? What should we do when, when we fail? But what should we do when other Christians fail like, like Noah did? How can we help? and then not also fall into failure ourselves. Well, I think this passage gives us three different directions on what to do when other Christians fail, especially when a hero falls, when a hero of ours falls. We turn in, number one. Number two, we pick up. And then number three, we kneel down. So first, we, we turn in. And what I mean by that is, When we see failure in other people, we need to turn inward first. We need to reflect on our own hearts. When someone else fails, we need to examine ourselves. It's so easy to become overconfident and to think, well, I would never do that. And sort of bask in their failure as if we're superior to them. But the Bible warns us against that attitude in several different ways in several different places proverbs eighteen sixteen says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall so preceding a fall or a failure is always pride it's always overconfidence it's always the thought that i would never do that likewise in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 Paul tells us, so whoever thinks he stand, who stands must be careful not to fall. So if we have an attitude where we think we couldn't possibly do this, that's when we're the most vulnerable to a fall. So we need to examine ourselves. We need to pray Psalm 139. Search me, O God know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. We need to invite God to search us out and make sure the beginnings of sin aren't there. Second, when another Christian falls, we should pick up. Shem and Japheth, are a good example of this they help their father back up rather than pushing him further down into shame when another christian fails it's an opportunity for us to enter in to do some ministry to help them back up and once again we're given direction on this in the new testament this is galatians chapter 6 verse 1 brothers and sisters if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing. You who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. So the disposition of us when another Christian falls into wrongdoing isn't to push them down, it's to pick them up, it's to help restore them in a gentle type of way. And in this, we need to keep a careful watch over ourselves so that we also won't be tempted, the Apostle Paul tells us. And I don't think he only means tempted by the same type of failure that they fell into. I think what he means is tempted by overconfidence and pride. We shouldn't help in such a way that we judge them, that we feel superior to them. No, we, we kneel down. We, we come down on their level and help pick them back up. We don't have a boastful attitude, a judgmental spirit, when we're trying to help someone else out. That won't work anyways. Nobody responds very well to somebody who's preachy we got to humble ourselves. We've got to come with a gentle attitude of service in order to restore somebody else. And then third, when another Christian fails, we should kneel down. We should kneel down before the God of heaven. And this is especially true when someone that we look up to fails. We need to kneel down before God pray for his help, pray for that person, and remind ourselves that God is who we need. We should test ourselves to make sure that we aren't putting our faith in people, even though we may look up to this person. We need to make sure that we're putting our faith ultimately in God. Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord ...than to put confidence in man. If our faith is in another person instead of God, we are sure to lose our faith... ...and we are sure to fall ourselves. Now, to to finish, the key in all of this to avoiding failures ourselves... ...and also the key to helping others when they fall... ...is something that I call preaching the gospel to ourselves... You know who we listen to more than anyone else? Daily, we're, we're listening to this person almost constantly. You know who that is? It's ourselves. We are constantly thinking things. We're, we're constantly telling ourselves messages. What if we gain control of our thoughts and start to talk to ourselves rather than just listen to ourselves? What if instead of just listening, we remind ourselves constantly of the truth of God and meditate on what he says? For example, when we fail, the natural response is guilt and shame. And it's easy to beat ourselves up. It's easy to lay in it and roll around in it. If it's a a really bad type failure, it's easy to feel like I'm just going to give up. I can't move forward. So rather than listening to that inner dialogue and that inner narrative play over and over again, just thinking about what you've done wrong and how you failed and how nobody's going to love you, Nobody's going to want to be around you. Nobody's going to want to help you. Uh, no one's going to respect you. Instead of listening to that garbage play out in your brain, why don't instead you start to preach the truth of the gospel to yourself? Preach 1 John 1.9, for example. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and from all unrighteousness. What if we started to tell ourselves, rather than listening to ourselves, we started to tell ourselves, God will forgive me. God loves me. I have confessed my sin to him. He's faithful and just to cleanse me. God is going to give me a new start and a new beginning. So rather than listening to ourselves, we start to preach the truth of the gospel to ourselves in our own mind. What about when somebody else fails? How how can we use preaching the gospel as a tool in order to help them? Well, Jesus taught us this. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For if you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others and you will be measured by the same standard you use, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? hypocrite first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye so jesus he let me say what he doesn't say here first he he doesn't say that we won't help Um, he doesn't say that judging is equal to making a moral judgment about what's right and wrong even about another person's life what he's condemning here is a judgmental spirit is feeling like you're superior to this person it's ignoring the sin in your own life and then elevating the sin in other people's life instead jesus said first take out the log in your own eye your own hypocrisy your own sin first Get that right before God. And then you're going to be in a better position to see what's going on in the other person's life. And then, like Galatians chapter 6, you're going to be able to help restore that person gently. You're going to be able to help them back up. So, using the tool of preaching the gospel to yourself... When you see somebody else fail, why don't you start preaching to yourself? For example, it's by grace that you have been saved. Put their word in, their name in it. It is by grace that Sam has been saved. It's by grace that Rebecca has been saved, you know, whoever's name is, is there that, that you're seeking to help remind yourself first that you aren't immune to failure and then remind yourself that it's by grace that this person, that this believer who has fallen is saved. They aren't immune to failure either. And it's with that spirit, then you can start to help. You can start to enter in after you've dealt with the log in your own eye, your judgmental spirit, then you can help take out the splinters in that other believer's life. Before all of this, though, you have to be a believer. Before you're gonna be able to help anybody, before you're able to preach the gospel to yourself, you have to believe in the gospel. And the gospel message is this, that sin, our sin, every one of our sins, has alienated us from God. We're fallen. We're we're separated from Christ. It's like a deep, dark pit separates us. It's like God being on one side of the Grand Canyon and you're on the other and you can't possibly get back. People try to get back to God using good works, trying to be a better person, self-improvement. None of those things can build a bridge to God. But the good news is, God loves us. And he sent his one and only son to be the bridge between us and God. Jacob, if you're familiar with the Old Testament and the book of Genesis later on, He sees a ladder to heaven where angels are ascending and descending the ladder. Jesus Christ is our ladder. We don't have to climb the ladder to get back up to God. Jesus Christ has descended from heaven to earth and now through faith in him, We ascend. We get back in a right relationship with God because he bled for us. He took our sin debt on a cross and paid for it and then arose victoriously from the grave so that we can have eternal life. And there's no better news than that. It all starts there. Have you trusted in the good news of the gospel And then when you have, that's when you can start to preach the good news of the gospel to yourself every day. That's when your walk with the Lord really begins. It doesn't mean after you become a Christ follower that you won't ever sin, but it does mean by the grace of God, you can start to sin less in your life. You can start to have victory over those things that used to defeat you in the past, those those failures. You can start to leave them behind. When before Jesus, they had complete control and victory over you. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with his love. Have you trusted in his love? That's when you can start not only to help yourself, to preach the gospel to yourself, but then you can start to love and help other people who fail. Let's go to Jesus in prayer. Father, thank you for your love sent, poured out through Jesus. Lord, thank you that through Jesus, our failures and our sins don't have the last word if we we trust in him. Lord, you can transform our lives and I pray that that's what you would be doing in our lives. I pray for someone here that needs to place their faith in Christ. I pray that they would today through, through the Holy Spirit. I pray for believers here today who may be struggling with something. They may have stumbled. They may have failed. and It, it, it just seems to have a hold over their lives. And I, I pray, Lord, that starting to preach the gospel to themselves, they would be able to get up and move on and have a new beginning today. And still yet, I pray that you would change our heart and our attitude toward others. Lord, help us to see them as as people too, needing to be saved by grace or saved by grace. Lord, help us to leave behind any judgmental spirit, and help us to have compassion. Help us to be willing to help up rather than push down. Lord, thank you that this is all true through the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand this morning?